0: Just to put a finer point on it, we really do need volunteers uh, for the VBS at the end of the month. It's going to be Sunday night, Monday Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, three nights for two hours each, 6 to 8 p.m. Again, we'll have all those details for you next week, but if you're interested and you're available that last week of the month, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, they would love to have you a part of that. I know my my wife Heather is doing a puppet show. Yep, that's happening. She tried to recruit me, and I deflected, and then Debbie got roped in. "Thank you, Debbie. You saved me! Whoa, that was close. Hey, we're, um, we're going to dive into the book of Colossians. Ooh, Colossians is so good. Right, Adam? Yes, He has been you lost sleep over it." She's like, "I can't wait for Colossians. So um, open up to Colossians. Colossians is in the Old Testament. Sorry, New Testament. Uh, Colossians is after Philippians. It is one of the books that Paul wrote from prison. And it is packed. Four chapters, 95 verses, one message. Incredible. And listen, we could just do a, a, a series where we just highlighted the cool verses in this little book of four chapters. Because there are... So many amazing verses. But um, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive. It's four weeks, four chapters, and it may go longer than that because it's so good. And so I want to encourage you to, to kind of dive into it um, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, it's one of those chapters that you can just kind of reread. It flows, um, and it's beautiful. But Paul had an intent when he wrote this book. And so I'm going to pray and ask that the Holy Spirit would open up our eyes to see what Paul through the Holy Spirit wanted us to see in this amazing little book in this first chapter and so Holy Spirit we ask you to come and open up our eyes lord it's something that that you used Paul to write a prayer about in multiple letters open up the eyes of our heart that we might have glorious revelation And this revelation is of you, Jesus, that we would see you high and lifted up, supreme and sufficient. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as I said, Paul wrote this book from prison and he wrote it to a little church of which he never visited. Um, And and this, this book um, was written to a group of people who were passionate followers of Jesus. And they had, they had grown from Ephesians. Paul spent a lot of time in Ephesus. And this town was about 100 a, a miles away, be like kind of like L.A. from San Diego. And so this group of people had come to Ephesus and had been transformed. And so they went back to their hometown and they started this little church. And, and they were filled with faith, filled with the original intent of what Paul planted in Ephesus. But Paul began to hear of a growing concern, a growing threat to this little church, these precious people who who ultimately God would use to spread the gospel. And that's why it's so important that Paul wrote this letter, because then Christians weren't everywhere. This book was only written 50 to 60 years after the resurrection. So people were still alive when this book was written during the crucifixion of Jesus and when he rose from the dead. So people understood and they were, they were, they were eyewitnesses. And these were the very people that God would use to spread the gospel everywhere. Amen. And so how many of you know, have you ever played that little game? Um, uh, I think it's called telephone where you like whisper something and then they whisper it and then they whisper it and then they whisper it and then it gets back to you and it's like... like. Monkeys eat boogers and walk on water, right? It's like, what? That's not exactly, not at all what I said, right? But by the time it gets back to you, it changes a little bit, and then it changes a little bit, and then it changes a little bit, and then by the time you hear it, you're like, whoa, we got the message way wrong. And so this is kind of an example of that, where the message gets spread from one person to the next, and then a generation goes by and it passes down, and the message gets tweaked a little bit. And and it's, it's partly human error, but it's partly a, a work of the adversary, the enemy, to try to tweak the message, because how many know if you tweak it just a little bit, when you get down the road, it's not just a little tweak, it's, wow, we're, we're way off. And so Paul had a growing concern about what was going on in this little church in Colossians. And There was a threat to their pure faith because some people had come in and they had given an alternate message. And the danger of this alternate message is that they believed in Jesus. See, Colossians is all about one thing. The supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. And you'll see it all throughout the book, especially in the first chapter. But Paul was just like kicking the devil in the teeth and giving that clear message. Because because this was an alternate message that was coming in and Paul was... Concerned, and so before we, we just kind of think of this as a history lesson of like, wow, I'm really cool. I'm learning a little bit about this book. Let's be careful that we don't allow somebody or something to come in and taint our faith in the simplicity of who Jesus is. And now you might be thinking, like, no way that would happen to me, right? Because me and Jesus were tight, and I, he's all, I'm I'm a Jesus person. But you'll see in the middle of this message, I hope how easy it is to give in to the narrative of the day that I promise you has a clear agenda to dethrone Jesus. Because if that can happen, it's a house of cards and Jesus is at the bottom. And if, and, and if your faith is not solid in who Jesus is, then everything will fall. And so the threat, what was the threat? It was a Gnostic heresy from the Essians and it had two main components uh the first component was this jesus was less than god and it's dangerous because they believed in jesus the Essians, they came in with this Gnostic heresy and they actually believed that Jesus was a person, that he was good. And there was a varying degrees of like theology. Some believed that God came in and was, was like animating Jesus and then left. And some, people, some of them just felt like he was a really good person and did good things. But the bottom line was they did not believe that Jesus was equal with God or that he was even God. he was less than God and so this was the the narrative of the day And, and 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 in addition to that that God was like a mystic being that he wasn't he wasn't the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was like a mystical being that was kind of everywhere and you could almost even define him as you wanted. Doesn't that sound awesome? Whatever flavor, anybody heard that before? Whatever flavor of God, like I believe in Jesus and God and all that, but like I'm going to kind of define it of what works for me. It's a new age movement that's actually gaining ground in our day. And and they believed in Jesus, but they just believed that he was less than God and therefore impotent to help us with any real power here on earth. They believed that God didn't create the earth, didn't create anything in the earth because God is holy and he wouldn't create unholy things. And so anything to do with the earth, God was detached from and therefore God wouldn't get involved in things of Earth. This was the message that they had, that God was out there, and he was loving, and he created people, but he didn't create everything else. And so there was a detachment, and that detachment led to this inner searching, search within. Jesus can't help you, because he doesn't have power to help you, and God is mystical, and he's distant, but really, there is a God within you. This was the message. There was a God within you, and you need to see him rise up. And I don't know if that message sounds familiar to you, but it's the same message in the garden when when the serpent came and said, God's trying to keep you back from being like him, a God. And so, so the enemy said, hey, just take the fruit, and you can be like him. Why? Because there's a God inside of you. And so that's really the inner searching of what you need. And this works great with the next lie. Again, the enemy is, he is sneaky. So the first lie is that Jesus is less than God. And the second threat to the church in Colossians was there was a secret knowledge outside of Christ. That if you found it would bring true fulfillment. And actually there's a book that was written with this mentality in mind called the da Vinci code and the Freemasons and this idea that there is a knowledge a secret knowledge for a few and if you find it it's going to open up so much for you and this was what Paul was experiencing so if you're if you're lacking if you're feeling incomplete just keep searching because the answer's out there, and maybe the answer is in that promotion you need at work, or maybe you need a reboot in your life. Maybe you need to start doing yoga. Maybe you need a new friend base. Maybe you need to find a new faith. Maybe you need to get more religious. But the answer's out there, so just keep searching. Because when you search deep enough, even inside yourself, maybe you need to go away on a self, uh, you know, pursuit and 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 get into the your really real self, and you'll find what you're looking for, but it's outside of Christ. Christ is fine, but it's just a starting point of what you need to find. So at this point, you guys are like, wow, he's really going down some serious rabbit trails. Take the blue pill. Okay, Um, were you guys with me? The supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. That's what we're going after today. And so in the first chapter of Colossians, um, Paul outlines, put that next slide up there, the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ. And this really is the core message of Colossians chapter 1 that really debunks these two lies, that that, that Christ is not as, as equal with God and that there's some secret knowledge outside of Christ. And we find it in that Jesus is over all and that he is... Enough. And so we're going to start reading in, chapter, in Colossians chapter 1. Yeah. Come on, really? We're going to start reading in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Again, I hope that you guys take some time to read this this week, Colossians chapter 1 and then 2 next week. It really is incredible. There's so much here. But we're going to start in verse 13, In the New Living Translation it says this, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, and he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear Son. He has purchased our freedom with his blood and forgiven all our sins. Christ, verse 15, is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all. Come on, somebody. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms. He's just getting started, but we're going to stop there for a moment, and we're just, going to, we're just going to highlight this simple idea. And the simple idea is this. Jesus is supreme over every darkness and every struggle. Amen. Jesus. He is supreme. It's not some inner God in you that needs to rise up. It is Jesus. He is supreme over every darkness and every struggle that we face. And I love this because he doesn't just say Jesus is supreme. He starts with, and you, you were once in darkness. And Jesus, the one that's supreme, has delivered you from darkness and the dominion of the enemy, and he has raised you up. This is not just about Jesus, but it's, it, you, you are found in this glorious story. And this is important because darkness is real. And I don't mean that because I just say that the enemy is real, although he is. But how many of you know that like you go outside these walls and you live just a little bit. And man, before long, you're bumping up against darkness. And sometimes that darkness comes in the form of just an onslaught to your soul. Sometimes it's depression or oppression or just... you ever wake up and you're just like, ugh? And not to to say that all that's darkness, but sometimes we bump up against some real darkness. And, And how many times do we feel totally insufficient? So we're popping pills, we're going to the psychiatrist, we're talking to a friend, we're going on a walk. right? We're like, what do I do with the darkness? And next week we're going to talk more about that, but at the end of the day there's this message that if we're not careful, we can get in, give into, and that is Jesus is good. He saved you, and he, and, and, and he rescued you. He healed you, but then that's just a starting point because this whole other thing that you're dealing with every day, now that you're a Christian, yeah, there's a reason why that didn't go away when you accepted Jesus, because he's not able. He can't help with that. So Jesus is good, but you need to go on another journey to find what you need. So look within. Just keep looking. It's a dangerous message. And my problem is Thor. This is my problem. Let me tell you about Thor. I, I've got serious issues with Thor. My kids love Marvel. 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 So my issue with, is, is with Thor, and the reason why my issue is with Thor is because his movie came out a long time ago. And when his movie came out, Thor was the man. I mean, that hammer, you couldn't lift that hammer. Only Thor can lift the hammer, because it's made of whatever it's made of, Adam could tell you, and it's amazing. And, and, and have you ever seen him twirl it? I mean, like lightning speed twirl, it. And then all the, the, the other enemies in the, in the outside galaxy, which are real, they all come against him. And single-handedly, Thor wipes them all out. He, lightning comes out of his eyes. He flies. He's actually a god. I mean, Thor is the man. And when I watch Thor and then the other Thors, I'm like, Thor's the guy. Until he wasn't. And, and then eventually, Thor got dethroned by this woman (laughs) captain marvel who knew right and because because Thor along with the other crew were not strong enough to do what they needed to do and so she came along now Again, she's got her own superpowers, but she's got tons of power and she's even from like a deeper galaxy and she only comes around when Thor can't handle his stuff, which I thought Thor was the guy and like the the, the king of the universe because that's what they made him be in his movie. But we just realized that that was just his movie. There's a greater story. And so now we know Captain Marvel is all powerful until she wasn't. Because this guy came along. (laughs) And now I'm like all turned around like I thought it was Thor. And then I was convinced it was Captain Marvel that had all power. And then I realized this guy, I mean, just flick his wrist. I mean, and frankly, without the glove thing, he could still beat them all because he's just that strong. He's Thanos, Thanos, right? Do you see the message like, there's, there's an all-powerful being that has all strength that you can rely on that's going to save the day until they can't. But then don't worry, there's another one. And they're going to do it until they can't. And then the, the real bad guy who has all power, notice, and again, I'm not trying to say that Marvel's demonic or anything. I watch all the movies, but... Anybody watched the final movie? Who actually defeated Thanos? Iron Man. There's a God inside of you. This is the message. You don't need Jesus, you just need you. Go on your own pursuit, because inside of you is a God that ultimately can defeat whatever it is you 're going through. This is the narrative of the day, and you' all are like, oh my gosh i 'm rethinking everything. I thought Iron Man was good. He is good. Um, but my point is, Jesus, he actually has all power and And I realized that those were just kind of fun little characters, but there is a message that is, listen, don't rely too heavily on Jesus because eventually another one's coming who will be more powerful than Jesus, and then another one will come, and then Thanos will come, and then we'll have to get all together and figure this thing out. And that is not true because Jesus has the Final word. And listen, we talk about Jesus as the Lamb of God a lot, but we need to reclaim the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Judah. Jesus is the name that is above every name, and at his name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Listen, the uh, dead people raised because of the name of Jesus, demons flee, right? Bodies are raised from the dead. The name of Jesus, even the wind and the waves. Listen, the word of Jesus these are not fairy tales this is real and he is alive today this same Jesus delivered you delivered you and is still delivering you it's him so the search is over you found him He has all the power you need to face whatever struggle or whatever darkness that we face. And listen, I'll tell you, I don't, I have no tolerance for darkness in my life or in my home, or my family. Zero. It doesn't mean I don't struggle with it. It doesn't mean I don't combat it. It doesn't mean I have the secret weapon. I've got Jesus like you do, but I'm telling you, when I sense darkness at any level hovering around my life, or my kids, or my wife, or our family, I just go on all-out pursuit of saying, Jesus, no, we're going to claim your name, and we're going to tell the darkness to flee, because that's the power that we have. And I'm not saying it's not a process. I'm not saying that there's a magic wand but it is jesus he's the one and you stay at it you don't turn to something else you don't give up you don't diminish the name or person of jesus he is supreme and he has given you that power he has given your kids that power don't you dare give into another message than that message Mm. we're going to keep reading we just gotten started. Colossians chapter one, and we're gonna keep reading in verse 17. And it says this, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Just pause for a minute and I just want you to close your eyes and I want you to ponder that reality. He holds all creation together. We're gonna keep reading in verse 19. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God has reconciled everything to himself. And I'm gonna just keep reading and you're just gonna see this includes you up there because I got tired of doing slides and I just want you to hear this, but uh, this includes you who were once far away from God. You were enemies separated uh, from him with your, by your evil thoughts and actions yet now he has brought you back as his friends he has done this through his death on the cross in his own human body and as a result he has brought you into the very presence of God and here it is put the slide up there and you are holy and you are blameless as you stand before him without a single fault come on Colossians, everybody. So, the second and last idea to debunk this idea that there's some secret knowledge that you need to find outside of Christ that will fulfill you is this Jesus is sufficient for every need in every season, He's sufficient. He is enough. Now that's extremely hard and extremely important for us because we, we are the people that are constantly searching because nothing is ever good enough. Whatever is good today falls woefully short tomorrow. I mean, let's be honest. We are the upgrade culture. I just got a a set of new clubs that I paid almost nothing for because I got a really good deal. But the more important thing is there was nothing wrong with my other clubs. They weren't sufficient. And that's innocent enough until you let it take over your life. Nothing's ever good enough in our culture. We are constantly searching We see this at the fall. Again, we saw the narrative that the enemy was serving up to Adam and Eve that you can become gods because Jesus isn't, he's not equal with God, but you can be equal with Jesus. And the next narrative is when they sinned and they put fig leaves on themselves and Jesus, God came to them and said, well, what's going on? And, and, and guess, guess what wasn't sufficient? The fig leaves. Wasn't, wasn't enough. Like, that, 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 that began, oh my gosh, I need something to complete me. Before the fig leaves, before the fall, they were in perfect alignment with God, and they didn't need anything. They weren't searching for anything. They weren't searching for the next cool outfit. They weren't searching for a fig leaf upgrade. They were just good. We're good. And instantly, the fall happened, and what did they start doing? They for Pig leaves. We need to, we need, I am not complete. I need something outside of my relationship with Christ. I have a perfect relationship with him. The Bible says that they walked in the garden and talked together and they were complete. And then instantly they're not, not complete. I need something. Anybody relate with that? anybody go you know what i just i can't find my joy i just need maybe it's that job maybe it's that girl maybe it's that outfit maybe i need another vacation like i just need something and when i find it i'll know when i find it i'll know that i got it but i don't have it that's all i know right now is i don't have it yet why because these fig leaves are not enough I was incomplete before, and I'm still incomplete if I felt good for a moment. And then I realized, oh, shoot, this isn't it either. And so I'm going to go on to the next thing. And this is this. There's something secret out there, so just keep searching. This is the message. No, seriously, the search is fine. It's good. And Jesus is fine. Isn't that great? Jesus is good, and he was a starting point. But you need to keep searching. Just keep searching. Because eventually you'll find it. This is the message that Paul was going after when he said that Jesus is sufficient. So uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, at the end, he he says this, For it pleased God to tell his people that the riches and glory of Christ are for the Gentiles. That's us. For this is the secret. And I love the fact that he uses that, that word. This is the secret. You want to talk about secrets? You want to talk about secret knowledge? You want to talk about hidden knowledge? Let me tell you what the secret is. Christ's in you. The hope of glory. No more searching! You don't have to figure it out. You don't have, and some people use the Bible as this like. Maybe there's gonna be a secret in here I'm gonna find. And listen, I love digging into the word. Lamont, you love digging into the word. So many people here, I love reading it, I love digging into it. This is living and active, it can change our life. But I'm telling you, if you get into the pursuit of like, I just need more knowledge, Jesus said it himself. You search the scriptures thinking you're gonna find something. I'm here, guys. The scriptures were about me and you totally missed it because your face is buried here. Why? Because you're not looking for Jesus. You're looking for more knowledge because you think there's some secret knowledge that's going to get you there. And Jesus, I'm here. I'm right here. I've prepared a table for you. I'm looking into your eyes. Come on. This is just a vehicle for that. This is a vehicle. Come on, it's just a vehicle for that connection. I'm right here and I'm everything you need and I hold it all together. I hold you together. I'm gonna end with, a, with an illustration that I found. Um, and, in fact, it was a, a, another preacher that, that used it and I found it. Um, so I'm gonna steal it because it's so good. But it's true and I love it. I wanna introduce you to Um, a little thing called laminin. Laminin is an incredible cellular molecule. And you have billions of them in your body. Apparently, this is a protein molecule and, and it acts as the glue for your body and it it holds your organs together. It's the reason why your skin doesn't fall off. It is literally like in construction, it would be the rebar for the construction. It's the reason why everything stays together and it's called laminin. And what I love about laminin is if you Google it, which Ed is doing right now, (laughs) if you Google it, one of the first pictures that will come up, don't put it up there yet, Is a picture of the way that scientists would would show what this actually looks like because this is a microscope on somebody's blood to show like you know whatever like millions and millions of microns you know to show what it would actually look like and it's fluid because it's in blood so it's moving, but a scientist gave a diagram of what this molecule actually looks like if it wasn't fluid in your body, and it looks like this. Can't make that stuff up. You and me, we are literally held together by the cross. Billions and billions of them in your body. And what I love about the word sufficient or enough is it's derived from the word provider. And, and we're going to have communion because there's, there, there's, no, there's no greater example of God being sufficient enough in your life than the Lord's table to say, I've provided it. Everything you need in me, I've provided for you at the Lord's table, my broken body and my broken blood. And the word provider is a Hebrew word called gyra. And we're actually gonna, we're gonna worship to a song called gyra as we take communion in a minute. Um, But what I love about that word is when Abraham went up the mountain taking his son isaac he his son said where's the lamb and abraham said the lord will provide he will provide and we know the story and we know that the lord provided and abraham called that place the lord provides jehovah jireh our provider And that's the same hill, and I've taught this before, that's the same hill that Jesus was crucified on with this cross that's floating around in your body as proof that the Lord will provide. Abraham pointed to the hill, one day, kids, one day, all of this will be done because Jesus is sending his son to provide everything you and I need. And so there's no more searching. We don't need to find the next thing because Jesus, within who he is, he is everything. He is our healer. He is our provider. He is our shield. He is our rescue. He is our rock. He is everything because he said, I am. Whatever you need, I'm it. I'm it. So listen, not only is he reigning supreme in your life, delivering you from whatever darkness, but in the middle of life in the middle of the struggles, in the middle of the day-to-day, we come to him, and Jesus says, I've got what you need today. I've got it. We well, bow your heads and close your eyes, and I'm going to invite the team to lower the lights, and we're going to put on this song, and I just want to remind everybody who um, maybe didn't grow up in church and kind of doesn't know, um, the Lord's table is available for everybody. Um, we just ask that you come before the Lord honestly and Check your heart that you're doing it for the right reasons. But the, the grape represents the broken the body, the, the, the blood shed for us. That you are redeemed. You are whole. You are wiped clean of the sin and the shame and the regret and your past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus covers it. He has what you need. And the broken body, the, the cracker, He is sufficient. He gives you life in your bones. He holds you together. The psalmist was right in Psalm 139 that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You were there when I was created. And so when we worship to this song, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, you are everything I need. And so we're gonna play this song. I just invite you to stand to your feet. And in the middle of the song, at whatever point, come to one of the tables and enjoy communion.